And we're on. Hello, it's the final day of VMworld US 2012. Uh, can you say 2012? I'm sure the Olympic Committee in uh, London would have a problem with the use of the word 2012 in any way. Right, right. Yeah, they, they, they insisted well, 2012 instead. Yeah, we're not saying Olympic London in 2012. Uh, with me is uh, Roger Lund. Hello. Um, and you're VMUG leader for where? Uh, Minneapolis and St. Cloud, Minnesota. Okay. And I guess this isn't your first VMworld. You've been coming here for a few right, years. Right, right, yeah. But I, I wanted to ask, uh, out of all the things that you've seen in the last uh, couple of days, what's stood out to you? We were talking to our vCloud director while yeah. we were getting our, our coffees. You, you, you were saying some nice things about vCloud directors. Yeah, so. you know, I think that um, just, you know, the, the announcement of, of the suite of products um, and the ability for existing customers to upgrade into that suite is a big deal. Um, a lot of, of customers, um, you know, just haven't taken the time um, or the resources to do that, uh, to go into that product line, and this kind of gives gives customers the the chance to to really consider it, um, and then you know start really digging into uh, the architecture behind it. Sure. Putting aside the licensing, which is one thing, was there anything about the actual tech that that seemed to you that? This is something I should be looking at now. Yeah, I mean, multi-tenancy, I think, is a big one. Um, and, you know, just, I mean, honestly, um, a little bit of maturity in the product line. Um, you know, um, not a lot of us go out there and start using a brand new product line in, in production without another bacon a little bit. I mean, what's been spoken about last, for the last couple of months and here is this whole software-defined data center. Yeah. Do you have your own idea of what that means, or are you still trying to work out what that means? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, it's going to be less about, it's all, let's back up, you know, it's all about converged uh, infrastructure, yeah. right? And so I think that there's a lot of hurdles in the converged infrastructure world that need to be um, overtaken, um, you know, siloed uh, storage networks. Um, and um, so, as an example, and so, companies kind of have to figure out how to work through those things to kind of get the, the hardware to the point where it's easy just to scale that hardware um, for things like cloud. Um, you know, because without without having the right infrastructure underneath, um, yeah, it, it might be easy to consume resources, but is there going to be enough resources to consume, right? Okay. And then, uh, apart from vCloud Director, was there anything else that you were... Uh, um, the Monster VM stuff's cool, um, you know. I'm calling it the Mega Beast. The Mega uh, Beast. Because Mega Beast 2012. Yeah, what do you go after <laughs> Monster VM? Yeah, because it's now 64 of these CPUs to yeah. VM, as opposed to merely just 32. Yeah, I mean, CPUs. you know. Are there any guest operating systems that can actually use 64 CPUs? Well, the bigger question is, is you know, without going to four core or four sockets. You're not going to get there either way, right? Um, just because it, you know Intel and AMD just don't have that tech. Um, but you know, I think that they soon will, um, and you know, Guest OS is um, will be supporting that as soon as the hardware supports it. Um, you know, so it's just uh, it's amazing to look back, you know, a few years ago and compare our um, ability now. Yeah, um, just a short while ago, when I was doing ESX2 in 2004, we were talking about just two. VCPUs to a VM and merely 3.6 gig of RAM. That was the maximum you right. could deliver. I guess these sort of numbers for a lot of people become quite theoretical because, like you right. were just saying, unless you have the hardware to deliver the VMware, 
yep. you're not going to be able to utilize that resource. Right, and right. I guess it's that thing about trying to send a message out to people to say that there are no real barriers in terms of sizing anymore. Right. The, the barriers well, are elsewhere, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like once a person, uh, company, um, or organization um, gets those uh, pieces of converged um, networking, converged hardware, and you know, scaled computing, and those things um, in place, then it's really you know, now it's the software that defines what you're doing. It's no longer the hardware that's defining that. I wonder why. I wonder whether uh, one of the reasons that we've focused on the software-defined data center is the term cloud has become so abused, misused, reused by a lot of vendors that we're trying to define ourselves in a different way. Sorry, to use the word define, but uh, because these sort of terms become quite stale in the modern era the media picks upon these terms and pretty quickly they don't really mean anything to, right. to anybody whereas I must admit I feel I have a better handle on describing the software data center than I did when it was just cloud right which might come as a bit weird from somebody who's an avowed senior cloud infrastructure evangelist but um, I'm wondering whether the reason to do that is, is it's more tied to the actual technology that we're shipping. Right. So you've got the VXLAN, which is firmly part right. of the software-defined network, and you've got the VSAN, which is quite clearly in the camp of software-defined storage. Do, do, you, um, do you see VMware on a collision course with all its partners because they're stepping on the toes of, of other fields? That's what the, the big media um, people are saying. No, I'm going to say it's the opposite, right? Um, yeah. I'm going to take the stance that without um, VMware having these uh, abilities within their technology to do things like, let's just say, monitor, uh, to create virtual SANs, to create virtual networks, the actual SAN manufacturers, the actual monitor manufacturers, the actual SAN manufacturers aren't going to push the envelope as much, right? So, you know, they're forcing um, these companies, these third-party companies, to do better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this week uh, NetApp released finally their uh, virtual appliance of right. their, their storage uh, on tap. Yep. to be running a virtual machine. I mean, so let's look at last year when they announced that they were coming out with their own VSA, right? Before that, I don't know if anybody considered VSA um, an actual market. Yeah. Um, other than maybe, you know, HP. Um, but now they come out with a product and then a year later we see, you know, Well, we I mean, I field. wonder what EMC's response will be because right now you can run the Celera VSA, the Uber VSA in a virtual machine, but it's not supported, it's not a product. It can be an iSCSI target, I think it can also be an NFS target. But generally when one vendor goes, we're going to do this, yeah. the other vendors go, oh, we do it too, because yeah. nobody wants to leave any uh, air gap between features on one side to the other. Well, you know, two years ago at Dell Storage Forums, you know, um, when I was in TechWise, um, um, you know, I said that uh, what I think that we're going to see at some point is sheet metal with blades um, with virtual appliances on top. And I still think that's where we're going to end up um, because, you know, it allows for more granular um, stepping uh, for resource allocation as needed um, and the scale performance you know, that, that we sure. all should need for this cloud. One thing I was thinking about today as I was sort of walking into the venue is we've got this thing called virtual replication in the form of uh, vSphere replication and there's a couple of startups who are doing it as well. And uh, one of the big selling points is, you know, we don't care who the array vendor is. But it's not like the array vendors are going to sit by. Before uh, vSphere replication came along, I was using the left-hand VSA to do replication between two nodes. Yeah. 
So it's like, although we've got this uh, innovation of replication that's run by the hypervisors, if the storage vendors put a lot of weight behind these virtual storage appliances, well, you could be doing snap mirror yeah, inside yeah. the appliance. Yep. Do, they, do they have more, does the customer have more confidence or well, I more, think uh, belief in snap mirror inside a virtual machine than they do have VMware or Zerto in a virtual machine? There's yep. a lot of choice there that yeah, can yeah. come if the storage vendors take on, take it on board. And then, so the question I have is, is at what point is, is solid state going to be a medium and the virtual SAN going to be the delivery mechanism? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, whereas, you know, solid state becomes um, such a commodity um, that you just put a whole bunch of them in a enclosure, you put some larger capacity disk in a closure, and then it really what your choice is is who you want to manage that disk. Yeah. It's interesting in that, we'll make this kind of final uh, point, is there's a little bit of a schism at the moment around solid state that some vendors say, you know, SSD on the front, SATA at the back, we'll move blocks around, you can peg. This offers the best compromise against uh, IOPS versus capacity. And then there are other vendors who are going, no, we're going to bite the bullet, we're going to go fully solid state, like the pure storage people. We're going to get there and be the people who define a fully solid state layer, rather than doing this, what they regard as a kind of fudge. Yeah. So there's always that tension between the capacity and cost versus the IOPS. But I think you're right, uh, as time will go by, what's going in these arrays is commodity-based uh, SSDs. They're not like sort of something that's Magical. built, right, built yeah, in yeah. the lab with men with white coats. Right, you know, right. These are, for a greater part, Samsung-based SSD right, drives right. that you know, are, you know, you'll find in you know, most laptops and things like yep, that in yep, the future. Yep. So I think, I think it's interesting that the intelligence is going away from the, the storage layer up into the virtualization layer. Since I've been involved in storage more through being a VMware guy, for years people have been telling me, you know, it's not about the tin. When people buy into a particular storage vendor, they're buying into their software stack. Yep, yep. And literally the software defined storage is, is, yep. is an illustration of that. Yep. The, so, the metal or whatever that we rack up is here, but where the actual controller heads are are, are on ESX source. One of the things that I think that, that we have yet to really see is the full adoption of, of the virtual you know, software side network and storage and, and different pieces and in the DMZ side. Um, you know, more vendors need to say, okay, you know, I'm making the security appliance, and here's how it fits into the picture, and you know that type of thing. Um, you know, it's a challenge because you can go buy a hardware appliance for you know 5K, yeah. um, versus if you have to build a you know a whole virtual environment for a specific DMZ zone or a PCI zone or a HIPAA zone, that cost is is much higher. You know, so I think that as but is it the assumption is is that you already have that capacity for running virtual machines? So when you want another appliance, it's just another VM in that environment. Yeah, I mean, you know, the challenge there is is, is you have to show the auditor how that works. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I mean, remember back in I think my first ever VM world in 2005. I was it was in the dregs of the VM world, and yeah. I went to a Citrix session about running Citrix uh, Metaframe or presentation server inside a VM. At that stage, I was still doing a bit of Citrix work and also doing a bit of VMware work. And it was the dregs of the, the afternoon, so there was only about three or four of us in this session. So I managed to call a, a very senior person in Citrix saying, you know, uh, the appliances that you have at the moment, the Access Gateway, Netscale, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, when are you going to be offering those things as an appliance? Yeah. And more or less the answer came back, well, you see, 
people see the value in the physical box that they yeah. rack up, if we just make it something that's software, like how do we point to it to yeah. say this is the thing you've got? So I thought, well, really, do people do that? So I went on the forums the week after and said, if the price of the virtual appliance was exactly the same as the physical, yeah, but you didn't have the tin, would you guys still pay the same amount of money for the virtual appliance? And uniformly, the answer is yes. So let me ask you this, you know, I mean, how do we get to the point where um, we're not buying physical switches anymore and we're just buying um, a blade that has a bunch of ports? Ports on it you know, 10 gig or 1 gig or 40 gig, it doesn't matter. And it's a virtual switch in the back end. Well, this is the thing I've been saying in other videos. The virtual switch we have currently isn't actually very virtual at all. Well, well, right, and it's it's generally uh, some sort of a fabric extender, yeah. really. You know, it's just an extension of another switching infrastructure um, in most cases. Yeah, I mean, it's only virtual to the VM that connects to it. Right. The first thing you do when you create a virtual machine is choose two physical NICs right. for, for, for load balancing. Yep. Then you worry whether those NICs are patched into different switch layers yep. because of you know, switch outage or firmware updates. And then, then you have to find out, well, are those trunked? Yep. And are there VLANs there? Well, so I actually, guess... the virtual switch is actually quite a physical thing right. despite its name. So the question is, is you know, how long is it going to be before the OS manufacturers decide that that's not represent this as a physical connection anymore. Let's represent this as some sort of a backplane connection. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, because is it really necessary to have a link light um, in, in a VM? Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody, you know. somebody was saying to me, well, what, what do you think the Cisco Nexus 1000V is? And I said, well, it's not a virtual switch. It's a management plane. You know, it's not. Well, it's it's just like if you have a Nexus, um, you know, 7 or 5K, and you're, you put a 2K off of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's an extension of the Nexus platform. Yeah, yeah. It's not like kind of independent of Correct. its own rank. Yep. And I, put, I said, well, that's, that's a direction that yep. could be very valuable yep. to people. The other thing I'm thinking about this software-defined uh, data center is it's a new way for those vendors who've been around for some time to reinvigorate their products, show innovation, and perhaps reach a, a certain customer base that they've never interacted but, with before. Oh, yeah, I mean, it definitely allows the... Um, them to get into the, the enterprise space, right? Mm. Um, and you know, it allows smaller products to you know mesh into bigger product, uh, products. And so it's interesting to see what energy is going to be like in two years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only thing I think about this whole software-defined networking, software-defined storage, is there was a lot of politics introducing virtualization, and the people who were really into virtualization owned the hardware, the server. They controlled what went on it, so they put a hypervisor, and they also controlled what lived in that, the virtual machine, the servers. Um, there was quite a bit of politics in getting the network teams and the storage teams to do what we wanted yep. them to do. And that sort of, in some cases, stymied yep. the adoption of virtualization. But if you think that was political, saying to the network teams, yeah. uh, you're no, going to have right. the same Cisco iOS commands and things like it, but they're going to live in a virtual environment rather than in your yeah. in your metal. Well, I, I think one of the biggest challenges of converged infrastructure, right, is is always staff um, yeah. getting people to merge together as one team instead of three separate teams. Um, getting people to sit together, you know, when you're looking at a purchase that they have nothing to do with, um, you know, for the most part, you know, storage. For example, trying to get your network guy to sit through a storage presentation um, because you're seriously considering buying, you know, new storage technology. Um, is challenging, yeah. you know. 
I, I've been talking about this for some time, these silos of expertise that match the silos of various technologies and how those silos can st stop things from happening. But I, when I was sort of doing my interviews for the, for the VMware job, I was saying that if, we, if the way we sell the product basically says that you have to completely restructure the way you do IT around the product, that's not going to be... Yeah. But I think we have to be ready for CTOs and CIOs coming to us, whether it's VMware or even in your position, who go, you know what, this thing isn't really working for me anymore. Is there a way that we can restructure what we do to make yeah. it more efficient? Yeah. It's got to come from them, yep. not you have to completely reshape your organization well, around and, our, and our I, software stack. You know, I think in a lot of cases, you know, the key to success in the, in the cloud suite is going to be, you know, showing how you can reduce cost in, in you know, some of your silos, um, therefore enabling the technology yeah. for success. And I think the other thing is, is that, this is something I was saying in a presentation yesterday. If you think the last 10 years has been about doing more with less, well, guess what the next 10 years is going to be about? Yeah. Doing even more with even less. And that means what you can't have is our infrastructure is growing like that with the staffing levels growing at the yeah. same rate. Yeah. Um, what you're going to have is a situation where we become much more automated, much more efficient, because the net new number of VMs that are being created is currently running at 18 to 20%. Yeah. Well, and it's not like we're, there's a whole lot of money now in the yeah. current e economy for recruiting more people the, to manage them all. The other, the other uh, challenge is going to be is you know you've got a lot of a lot of uh, mice running in the cage, right? You've got yeah. a lot of things under the covers, getting this stuff working and keeping yeah. it working. Because we've only got two guys running your entire cloud infrastructure, and you have an issue. Now you've got a lot of eggs that you know in a basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, thank you very much for uh, being on the little quick show. We, I was speaking to uh, Roger yeah. earlier this week, and he's going to come on a little bit later, probably this month or early in October, and we'll do our kind of longer session. Which you is check me out on Twitter, uh, at RogerLun, um, vroger.com for my blog, and vbrainstorm.com. And with that, thank you very much for watching.